thank you for joining Trump Nations, where we're going to take an in-depth look, information you can't get anywhere else, on who Trump voters are and who was at the Capitol. Uh, it was a big mystery to me who voted for Trump in 2016, the exact demographics to have that upset victory. And then another surprise was the Capitol riots, right? Who and why, why were they motivated to do what they did? So we're making sense of that. And to do so, we have PhD from Ohio State, uh, former mayor of Lake Forest and claim to fame there. I say 101, he says 10 to one. I think with all the conditions and all the obstacles he faced, right? So if you had odds on him winning a city council seat and becoming mayor, I would have put it 100 to one being the betting man that I am. So that's why, that's who Dr. Carner is. And that's why the hell you should listen to him as we break down and uh, it's a dialogue, right? It's not a one-way street. We don't have a monopoly on the truth. So we welcome uh, differing opinions and Dr. Gardner and I are old. So if you disagree with us, we mortally don't hate you for the rest of your life and we're not gonna cancel you. <laughs> we actually like independent thought and we like people to think in different ways. So what are your thoughts, Dr. Gardner? Okay, well, thanks for having me back. And, um, you know, we don't have a monopoly on opinions, but I think we have a pretty good monopoly on the facts. The facts you'll be getting here today, uh, you really won't see anywhere else and uh, a lot of it is because the information uh, that's being offered is being offered in a way that um, reminds me 40 years ago when they used to uh, they used to say that psychotherapy was uh, worthless because in the 1950s they did a whole bunch of research and it showed that people uh, whether they had psychotherapy or not, they ended up the same. There was no additional boost to them. And so for a while, for about five years, there was a big uh, discussion amongst clinicians and researchers of the hell's the point in going to psychotherapy if it makes no difference. Right. And starting in the late 1950s, a couple of people started to say, well, is that really true? Or let's look at what's happening here. And they began to look more in depth at the data and they found that, aha, psychotherapy does make a difference. But the fact is there are bad therapists and mediocre therapists and great therapists. The people who went to the great therapists in fact made great improvement. And the people who went to the bad therapists got worse and the people who went to the mediocre therapists stayed about the same. So all that research that they had done prior to that of lumping everything together made it right. look as if nothing was really happening when in fact there were great things happening, but there were big differences between these groups. And then uh, thankfully they began to ask the question, well, what makes a good therapist? What makes a bad therapist? What do we have to do to train? And that's a long winded way of saying almost all the research that you're being given today, all the facts you're being given are from people who are clumping together all these people and saying that 
the January rioters are blah, 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 fill in the blanks. The fact is they are nothing, well, they're very little in common. There are a whole bunch of different groups. And when you look at those groups, you come up with different conclusions. So one of the reasons the facts we're gonna be giving you today are gonna to appear sometimes to be at odds with the facts that other people are giving you on TV and in reports from some very distinguished uh, researchers. And there are teams, there are dozens, sometimes hundreds of people working on this research, but they're all making one fundamental mistake of treating everybody as if they're the same and then trying to draw a profile from that. So one of the things we'll be doing as we go forward is to uh, try to distinguish those groups and give you information uh, about them. So right. no monopoly on the on your opinions, but we got a pretty good handle on the facts here. Right. And something I think it, with uh, your permission and we'll talk about it. I like in the beginning, uh, we heard from the horse's mouth, right? Somebody motivating people to go to the to the riots, the rally, right? And the techniques they used to motivate them, how they were explaining the way Trump really won, right? So I thought that was interesting. And this is not too long, it's a two minute video. And I've done a lot of research on this Capitol rioter and I'd like to hear your opinion, but let's listen to this speech. And this speech was actually uh, in Northern Virginia, a day before the Capitol riots. And this is Russ Taylor. Russ Taylor owns a business in the town we live in, Lake Forest, California. And Russ uh, has been featured in the New York Times, Washington Post, and CNN, right? Because we do live in a media capital. So there's just a lot of media around. His house has been raided twice. He has not been uh, arrested as of yet, but there are pictures of him with a weapon at the Capitol. So when we're thinking about motivation, somebody was there. Let's take a look at Russ Taylor and his speech. And I listened to the speeches at the Republican convention, and I think a few of them mirrored what he's saying. And I'd like to hear Dr. Gardner's thoughts. Here's Russ Taylor from Rancho Santa Margarita, California, owns a million dollar house there, and co-president of the Phoenix Project. Right, here we go, Russ Taylor.
if we're not going to surrender, then we must understand clearly what is at stake, the very sacredness of the Constitution that affords us our freedoms being stripped away right before our eyes. We have to fight. We have no other choice. We have everything to lose, our freedoms, our families, our businesses, our livelihoods. Where will we go? We have no other choice but to stand and fight. That's and when right. the time comes, and it's not far off, that we fight to win in order to preserve our freedoms. Amen. I believe that the world is watching the United States as it prepares for a revolution of thought and a fight for freedom. That's right. While many have fled and given up, we remain behind enemy lines. We have the numbers, and most importantly, we know that in the end, God wins. And remember that we are here now in this defining moment. Where we go one, we go all. And there is no going back until this is finished, and we have won. I am Russell Taylor, and I am a free American. <laughs> So I think he, he he packed in a lot of things there there because you're right you know we look for a common denominator right and there are some common themes that brought all of them together but they are different people but I think uh, right now their data like you look at a guy like uh, Tucker Carlson white replacement theories is a theme right. He's saying that he's being replaced by communists, is what he was saying, that want to terrorize his family and take away his businesses. And I, isn't that a common theme with people that, that um, went to the Capitol? Well, no. And they just, you're making the same mistake that everybody else is making. That is a theme. That theme resonates amongst a certain group of people. Uh, those people are primarily uh, uh, laborers uh, in small cities. Um, they're white. Right. Uh, they're in, uh, and they are worried about the, uh, the replacement, the white replacement theory. That, that theme doesn't only work there, but that theme also works uh, in, in the South uh, amongst the racist populations. But that's not a particularly powerful theme amongst the, um, the uh, owners, the business owners. There's, there's a middle class, middle to upper middle class group of uh, not terribly bright, but nonetheless conscientious, uh, honest, hardworking, salt of the earth, middle Americans. Uh, they own... Um, they own nail salons, they own uh, gymnasiums, they own their own, uh, they used to be a mechanic and now they own their own uh, auto repair shop. Uh, they're living the American dream, they're doing okay. That white replacement thing doesn't bother them so much because they're making it. The people in the small town who aren't making it, who are unemployed, uh, many of them, experienced a lot of problems with the pandemic. And, uh, but in the past, in fact, before the pandemic, they had financial problems. That's a different group. And to them, uh, everything looks like a threat. And you can, Mexicans, uh, Blacks, Arabs, everything's 
a threat to those people because those people see the American dream uh, passing them by. But there's an equal number of people and they have a lot of the same demographics. They're not the brightest people in the world. Uh, they are white, they are Protestants, they live in small towns, but they're doing well. They're living the American dream. They're opening up another branch of their salon or they're expanding their mechanical business. They're not so worried about uh, white replacement. They're worried about other things. They may well, have- let's look, at, let's look at Taylor, right? He drives, uh, he lives in a million dollar house, yeah. right? He drives a $200,000 uh, car. So why would he talk about white replacement theory? Well, well, first of all- Is he using the other people tell, or? You can tell right away he's not very bright. He, he's reading a script and he's having trouble even reading the script. So right. He's not the brightest bulb on earth. Uh, he's grossly overweight. So he obviously is in bad health. Um, so he's not bright enough to take care of himself and to monitor his own things. You also notice he used a lot of QAnon keywords. Now, QAnon, and we'll be going into this in more depth after we've spent time analyzing these groups. But right. there are there's a whole bunch of people exactly like him. He's, a, he's an excellent example where somebody who's doing well and going along, and this is also true of the laborers, there's a group of people who are pretty much going along, a little resentful, a little angry, a little frustrated. And well, what are they angry at? Well, they're angry at, in, if it's the laborers, they're not doing so well. If it's the- uh, So the that's people, white replacement, right? Yeah, I am, replacement. Well, yeah, so I was at the, Canadian consulate. I don't know how I got there, <laughs> but somehow I got to the Canadian consulate and Justin Trudeau was there. And they, this was before uh, the renewal of NAFTA, right? And they were talking about NAFTA, if NAFTA was going to be renewal. And the prime minister of economics for Canada was talking to me. And somehow I was at his table and he said that Trump voters, based on the research the Canadian government did, were people who were resentful of minorities coming in and taking their jobs. So that's how they explain that's true. Uh, Trump's popularity. So those people you just described, that was what the, the foreign minister in economics at, uh, for the government of Canada, based on their research, that's and what they were makes saying. the same mistake that those psychotherapy researchers made and that the current the FBI and everybody else is making of lumping them all in together. That certainly is a motivation. There are people like that. But along the path to that outcome, right. there are some people who by chance, or it's hard to know, who get enlisted into QAnon. The people who are maybe on a just, I'm protest, I'm upset, but who go over the line or go one step beyond the norm are the people who somehow get associated with QAnon and then become radicalized. Those are the people who show up when we get around to it in the violent, uh, the violent offenders and the people who end up taking organizational and leadership and uh, unfortunately violent uh, methods have- But you have to agree, you have to agree at this point, like the evidence we would have would be 
that when Laura Trump, right, Russ Taylor, Donald Trump Jr. talked, this is what they say, right? I, I took a list of what these three people say. So this is what information these people are using to trigger A, to raise money, B, to vote for Donald Trump, C, to come to a capital right. So this is what they're saying that we can hear and have direct evidence of. Uh, Mexicans are sex traffickers. They're taking our individual freedoms away, right? Uh, liberal victim ideology. People that don't want to pull themselves by their own bootstraps. He mentioned Ronald Reagan too, right? So Ronald Reagan was the old black lady in a Cadillac that he saw when he went to the grocery store. She came with a Cadillac, so all she wants to do is be on welfare and she's black. So that's a theme, right? So wouldn't you agree that those are themes they're using to trigger people A, to vote, B, to raise money, and then C, to show up at these, cap at these riots? Well, those, those, are, those are themes that will trigger some people. I mean, the, the use of Ronald Reagan, there's a whole bunch. He's not only using racist themes there, he's using the the Reagan thing, the patriotic thing, he's using lots of different triggers. Not all of them appeal to everybody. So you can't say these are the triggers. Well, these are the triggers they use, right? These are the triggers that resulted in uh, people showing up to the Capitol riots, people voting for Trump and raising money. Yeah, well, and again, you're wrong, just like the people uh, it's like uh, well, prove me wrong. You're not. So what else is it? Well, what what else is there? There are many motivations. Saying? There there are many motivations. Do you know the the major motivation as expressed by the people? Right. Happens to be, I'm there to protest the election. It's got nothing to do with race. It's got nothing to do with uh, the American. Well, yeah, right. Because Kamala yeah. over the election. That's right. the so thing. I would disagree, right? Reason. Yeah, I would disagree because Kamala Harris is black. So they don't want a black person in the White House. So I'm, I'm going to protest the election of my white candidate, right? Who in Charlottesville said both sides are right, agree with my racist ideology. I don't want liberal uh, Kamala Harris, black Kamala Harris, liberal victimization, right? Well, you, you can have your own opinion and you can say anything you want. I'm just giving you the facts. Well, no, well, yeah, everybody can have their own opinion, but everybody can have their own facts. But well, what facts do you have? You have your opinion. I'm telling well, I, you, I looked at the emails, the social media posts, the FBI reports for 390 people. I went right. through every one of them and I looked at what the people said about why they were there. That's what they said. Nobody said of 400 people, nobody said I'm there because I don't want a black vice president. Nobody well, a few people. Oh, well, uh, if if you remember during the impeachment proceedings, you had all the people yelling "nigger, nigger, nigger" at all the cops. Right? They were uh, protesters. Now, not when it's going to explicitly say that, but they're going to use dog whistles. Well, they're going to say different, they different, said, different. They said in their social media and their texts to each other that they're going to kill people. That they're going to hang people. That they're Why? Going to they said terrible things. I'm sure if hating Kamala Harris was high on their list, that would have shown up 
in the texts or the medias, it's not there. It's just not there. They'll hang Nancy Pelosi, they'll hang Mike Pence, but there's nothing about uh, killing black people or killing Kamala. But why would they want to change the election? You're saying they came to change the election, right? I'm saying oh, that the reason they want to change the, the election are for the triggers, right? They were verbalized by Trump, by Garfield, by Russ Taylor, yeah. and all those people, right? Yeah, those are the facts. Now you can say hidden behind that is Kamala Harris. Well, well I'm, I'm interpreting differently what, what they're saying. I mean, saying, hey, I want to change the election is kind of broad, right? There has to be a why. Why do you want to change the election? And they would tell you because it was stolen because people committed fraud. That's what who committed did. fraud? They don't know. Well, this is the thing, right? They they said that Detroit, Atlanta, right? These people don't know where it is. These people just believe what Trump and Giuliani and everybody told them. The right. election well, was primarily black cities, and I've heard them verbalize. We'll get ahead and get those clips of writers saying that the election was overturned by primarily black cities. So if you're at the Capitol riots and you're saying the election was overturned by primarily black cities, wouldn't that be racially charged? Yeah. You know, race, racial motivation. Yeah, that must be. And I only looked at 400 uh, people in their texts and emails. You must have found- Yeah, yeah, but it's very general. What, what you're saying, your evidence is very general. It's not very specific. No, so to is. say, hey, I'm, I'm here because I want to overchange the election, right? right? That's very, very broad. That doesn't really get to well, the heart of whether a person is here. Because yeah. I think people committed fraud. You know, the fraud that Trump- Right, right. And then in the people, if you identify the people that committed fraud, most of them identified uh, blacks and minorities. No, I, I believe or you're black wrong. Or black liberals. That's wrong again. You're wrong again. The Trump, and you know this as a matter of fact, the Trump and the lawyers said that the software company and the machine company built a program so that anybody who said they voted for, not anybody, but whatever percentage of people who said they voted for Trump, for Biden, for Trump, right, right. for Biden. There's nothing, even in Giuliani and the woman uh, lawyer, Sandy, whatever her name was, all of their things are, it's a software program. Not even they say it's a software program designed to change black people's votes. Nobody said that. They said it was a program designed to change votes. Now, now there are a few quotes, we'll, we'll hunt down those quotes. There's a few people who said it, but we're making a survey of everyone. So, uh, as you dig behind, right? And you say, they came over there to change the election. You get into these groups. Uh, R, right? I'll ask you this, right? You said the main groups were Proud Boys. No, the, the main percenters, was QAnon. QAnon, right? Yeah. Is QAnon a racist organization? QAnon, well, racism isn't the core of their, uh, their philosophy, but it certainly is. The QAnon people are mostly racist, but that's not right. Well, by the three percenters. Philosophy. What? Three percenters. Three are the three percenters a racist? Three percenters want to go back to the American Revolution when. <laughs> 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 
Like right? What about the Proud Boys? I'll answer the question for the Proud Boys. The Proud Boys are 100% racist, white replacement, yeah. uh, kill all Black people. All Mexicans are... Mer you got to remember how Trump first sparked and got popular. He said that all Mexicans are rapists, right? And they're murderers. And they're coming over to this country to change your way of life. Now, fast forward to Kimberly uh, Garfoyle, who uh, is now the main strategist for a, a major race in 2022. Kimberly Garfoyle, who back way back used to be the wife of Gavin Newsom. Now she's the girlfriend of Trump Jr., Donald Trump Jr. She said at the Republican National Convention, these... Mexican sex traffickers are coming into your country to change your way of life. Now, who was in charge of fundraising and sending out the promotional emails for Trump for Stop the Steal, right? Kimberly Gofor. So my contention is that there's a lot of evidence that when you look at the main groups, you look at the emails that triggered people to go there, there's a huge racial element to it. Well, that's your opinion, and you're entitled to your opinion. See, you it's no, see, that's where I would, it's not an opinion, it is a fact. So it is a fact. Woman, you know a woman who's a racist, and she was in charge of something. Therefore, everybody who went to the riot were racists. Not everybody who went to the riot. I would say Most that about 80%. Were, were racist because that woman's a racist. No, no, no. They're racist for, the, A, the groups they belong to, be what they verbalized, right? What they said to the FBI. And it could be the eye. I could read something. Do you know how many Proud Boys were arrested at the, at the riot? Well, before the riot, the leader of the Proud Boys was arrested. The Proud Boys were there. Yeah, the Proud Boys were there. You know how many were there? Of the hundred? Who knows? Of the 400 <laughs> people arrested? Well, this is the other thing too, right? And this is an argument you have. Answer the question. Let's see. Let's see how many ray hardcore racists were there of those four hundred people. I would you say know? that would be irrelevant because we do not know the the actual numbers. Now, there's there and there's under that. there's we under another the two hundred people. Don't know under. the numbers, but I know the numbers. I think it's moot point because it's irrelevant to the argument. No, if uh, you're saying the mo most of those people are a large number of those people there, eighty percent because they're racist. Well, you know, no, no, race, race, race would be one thing. Boy members or sympathetic with the Proud Boys, I'd say you're probably right. Right. Well, this this is what I contend, right? And, and let's see what you think. I think the three main reasons people were there, right? Uh, eighty up to eighty percent of the people. Number one was that they're affiliated with these groups and they knew about it, right? They got an email. Well, that's not true. They either. got a caravan, right? They, they know this is going on. Most now, of out of the groups are- not affiliated with these groups. Well, a lot of them got the no, email. not even a lot of them. It's how just, did they get there then? How, how, how did people know about January 6th? How did people buy tickets from the Trump campaign to go for? The Trump campaign, the Arizona, right. God knows all the- Arizona, the Georgia, the Florida, the Ohio. Right. The so the Trump campaign, right? The and the lady from the Trump campaign, Gerfold, who sent him the email, yeah. said that 
organized caravans and busloads of people and sent them there. Right, no, but let's go to the Trump campaign. So you said the Trump campaign, that's what they found out, right? It's the Trump campaign. The lady who sent the email from the Trump campaign has overly said over and over and over again, including in those emails that triggered them, that Mexican sex traffickers are coming in and they are taking over your way of life. And, and did she say that uh, we have a busload for those of you who want to oppose Mexican sex traffickers, we're giving you a free bus ticket? No, she said, you got to pay $200 and we're going to overthrow the election. So yeah. these Mexican, we're going to stop. This is what she did say, though. We're going to stop Mexican sex traffickers from taking over our country. We're going to overturn the election on January the 6th. And everybody who got on that bus was there because they hate Mexicans. It triggered them, though, right? They hate Mexicans. They feel disenfranchised. They believe in Tucker Carlson. They get their information from Fox News. They believe Tucker Carlson and white, racist white replacement theory. These that, are all your opinions. And you're entitled no, these, to your opinion. These, these are based on, right? Now, would, you like, would you like the facts to, uh, to color no, your no, no. I feel that I have the facts, right? You have no it, facts. It, you just have these people opinion. are polled, right? These people are polled. In the, in the data from these people is that they... This is what they believe in, right? And that's why they showed up. Now you do have hanger on, hangers on. Never seen a poll like that, but let me give you some data. Some data, proud boys of the 400 people there, 28 had even the vaguest association with the proud boys, 28 of 400. Oh, the 400 arrested, you're talking about the people arrested. Yeah, the 400 arrested. Well, those are the real hardcore. Do people. you know how many people? I'll give you, I, I think a lot of the data is flawed, right? Because 400 on well, the sample size of all the people that showed up at the Capitol riots would be very minute, right? What percentage of the 400 is, are the people that showed up at the Capitol riots? Uh, 400 out of. You don't know. That's what I'm saying. That's why when you say facts, you really don't know. You're you're just it's a guess. It's a guesstimate no, based no, on your experience. No, or so, so you can't they don't qualify as facts because you, you don't have you don't you don't have an accurate you don't have an accurate uh, data. Right. Of the percentage of people that got arrested versus the people there. Now, you're with Rush Limbaugh, too. Right. People call into the Rush Limbaugh show and say, hey, how do we find out? who voted for Trump, who didn't vote for Trump, right? We don't have, we don't have, we don't know because you get to vote anonymously. So my point is there's a lot that we don't know that to quantify as facts, it's hard, but the direct evidence we do have, right? is what we can see in the emails, who got the emails, who was triggered by the emails to go there, right? So, you hear the interview of the guy that went to the Capitol riots and they asked him, how did you know about the Capitol riots? I got an email from Ken Gerfoyle, Trump campaigning, saying that we were going to stop Mexican trucks, uh, uh, sex traffickers, right? And I know these Mexicans and these Blacks are taking over our country. I paid my $200 and I went there, right? So we know for a fact, by so direct evidence out of his mouth. One of the 50,000 people was there to stop Mexican sex traffic. Well, you don't know how many. My, my point is that you do not know how many. You just, all you have, right, 
is the public face, right? People have a private face and a public face. So all you have is the public face of 400 people that were arrested. And you don't know, right? Out of those 400 people, what percentage of the total amount were there? Well, you know, the, these people, were, they're very funny people in the sense that even after the riot, right. they posted stuff that the FBI used to arrest them. So these right. people were pretty free expressing anything they thought. I mean, they said, I'm going to kill, I'm going to bring weapons. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure there's a really private face to these people that wasn't revealed in all their text messages and social media. Right. So, or look at our guy, Russ Taylor, right? So, because this is the thing, right? And you had this argument. And um, I thought it was very insightful when you were arguing with Chief Valentine during a city council meeting and you were talking about crime reports, right? How we didn't have all the accurate data, uh, even in the homeless situation. We talked about that when we had those podcasts, we didn't have all the data, right? So, you asked. I think let's say there were 10 murders in Lake Forest and there were 19 rapes. And you asked Chief Valentine, how many of these murders were solved? This is a small town, right? Not complicated. And Valentine didn't know. <laughs> You're like, how is it that you do not know? All right. So uh, out of the 400 people arrested, uh, I who knows what percentage of it is people who actually committed crimes, right? And we don't know what a sample size it is compared to the totality of people there, right? We just we just do not know. There's, it's hard to get accurate data on for it to become a, a fact or in legalese is direct evidence. Now, we have the fact about the 400 people who did get arrested. The other people we don't have date. Well, we have some date on it. But usually the people that get arrested are like you're saying, stupid yeah, people. Those are, those are the hardcore people. They were the people, uh, some of them say, oh, I just got pushed in by the crowd. But the truth is, those were the hardcore people who went all the way and into the Capitol and committed violence and theft. And I saw people there, they're like, we always go with the this profile, right? You have your dominant personalities, you have your influencers, you have your submissives and you have your compliant people. I saw a lot of people just hanging out. They were just hanging out with their friends. Who knows what their political affiliation is? They probably didn't care. I would be interested to see what's the percentage of people that went to this, they were actually registered to vote. Who who voted for, right? So you're right. There isn't just one single reason people came there. There's multiple reasons. But there are triggers that people in power use to get people there. Uh, and there's triggers they use to raise a lot of money. And those you can nail down and you have a lot of direct evidence and facts on. Now, one thing that bothers me, and I'll ask you about this, it is the question you asked Valentine, right? So multiple studies have been done by universities, nonprofit groups. And the number that comes up is that when you look at the narrative of who's there and why, 
of rapes and murders or assaults. I thought that number was way higher, right? Anybody can Google uh, serial killers that were not caught. Unfortunately, you know, going through roommates and life as an adult, I know, I know few police officers who have killed people. And I know somebody in my friend group who's committed a murder and nobody's ever caught him. And uh, I don't report him because I might get killed if I report that murder. So I often wonder how many murderers and serial killers were at the Capitol, right? And how many are infiltrated in these groups? Because what we do know, right, that's facts that we, we can read in the emails is that the three percenters, QAnon, uh, and the Proud Boys recruit law enforcement and recruit military people, people who perhaps in the past have killed people. Then you have the guy that sat at Pelosi's desk. He was very, very comfortable. And they were looking for Pelosi to kill her or whatever. He sat at her desk, very, very comfortable. He, he's a guy with a lot of priors, right? He seemed very comfortable. I wonder how many of these people in these groups are part of that uh, 61% of uns unsolved murders and unsolved rapes. Well, I'm have, very interested to find out. Actually, uh, I have the data on all of that stuff. And when we talk about the violent offenders, I can tell you. Right, but I these are the dumb people that get caught, right? Smart yeah. criminals do not get caught. There, there's, there's a lot of smart criminals. Uh, or even I look at the, the professor at Harvard, right, who got busted for espionage. He was, uh, you know, giving classified information and results of study at Harvard to the Chinese government. So when the CIA arrested him, right, the smart Chinese espionage guy had gotten away. It was on a plane to China. They didn't catch him. They caught the dummy espionage guy and the stupid professor, right? Who, you know, got in with a 21-year-old girl, divorced his wife and owed money, and the Chinese government targeted him, right? So the smart criminals and uh, the smart espionage people from all over the world, friend or foes, right? The France spies on us, even though they're our friend and they have great espionage, same as Israel the Mossad. So all those people, they didn't get caught, but I'm sure they were there. So the smart criminals did not get caught. And I think it's almost like Fidel Castro, right? Fidel Castro uh, lived and breathed socialism with the Cuban people. But him himself was a great entrepreneur all over the world, owned businesses. <laughs> and when he died, his life insurance paid out $1.5 billion of his business earnings. He preached, he thought uh, communism and socialism to Cuba, but he himself just profited. So there's a lot, I like to know your opinion on, people who are uh, Q from QAnon, people who are the three percenters, Proud Boys, who are at the top, who trigger people to do things, but they stay back and reap the benefits, right? Or like Trump, there are very few, There are very few, uh national leaders of any of these groups who actually uh, got arrested. Right. There's a few that probably, oh, off the top of my head, I, 
I don't have the data at the tip of my tongue, but at the top of my head, there's probably no more than a dozen head, state heads who got caught. Right. With no national heads and no regional heads. These are, you know, mid-level leadership, but not the very top leadership. No, they weren't stupid enough to go in there. But there were state state chapter leaders from uh, several states who got uh, who got caught. Yeah, who were dumb enough to get caught, and uh, well, it's the same some of them the war. I mean, there are very few generals get shot because generals don't go into combat. Right. Even there's not a lot of colonels that get shot. Captains. Yes, and then lieutenants lieutenants die by the by the hands full, and, and soldiers, of course, even more. But there are very few generals. I think this was the same thing. The generals, the national heads, just like Trump. Uh, there are politicians who got caught, uh, elected politicians, uh, but again, none of them are the major politicians because those people aren't dumb enough to actually put themselves at risk exactly. you know, in a way in which they could be arrested. Yeah, so you're a psychotherapist like Anna. And Anna sometimes tells me uh, people stealing. We live in the richest country in the world. So high percentage of people that steal don't steal because they have to. They steal or lie because they like to. That's a thrill, yeah. Right. What do you feel about the violence at the Capitol? I feel sort of the same way. The guys that were punching at cops, not necessarily because they're racist or ideology. It's because they like violence, right? They're, they were in the military. They're a former cop. Uh, the guys that hit the other uh, fire guy who hit the person with the fire extinguisher, they're people who like violence, right? Then um, the guy who, we'll get his name, but he uh stated you know that he likes violence and that he can you see this i had yeah there's the guys uh that's a photograph that's 12 of the people arrested for violent behavior right these people i would say uh if you poll them are people who like violence many of them have prior arrests including, uh, well, there's no women, but many of them have prior arrests for violence, domestic violence, assault, yes. So they didn't do it because they hate black people or because Mexicans are coming in, taking their way of life, even though they might say it, but they're people with prior violent convictions who like violence. Yeah. Yeah, that's, those are the violent offenders. And they're a different group. Next time we'll go into the characteristics of the violent offenders. They're, they're right. characteristic, which is different from, and I think, uh, I think they're only about, of the 400 people, there are only about 63 of them arrested for violence and they're all men. And- um, I remember one time, there was these cops coming into this bar and there's a big bar fight and me being the idiot that I am or that I used to be, because this was 35 years ago, 
I threw bottles at the feet of, co of the cops and it splattered. And as the cops were coming in, right, I did the same thing Antifa did in Chicago, New York, the burglary of drug groups did. I escaped down the side. And I make that story that uh, even though there were a lot of cameras there, a few of the people who committed violent acts got away with it, the smart ones. Because remember, one of the things I like throughout the podcast, even the uh, true crime, that we get into a lot of crime, the horse racing is that justice and the law are distant cousins at best, right? That's why only 39% of rapists and murderers are caught and prosecuted. So not all of the people that are arrested for violence were the people who were actually committed violence. What's a little bit unusual about this, this uh, arrest and this whole situation is the extent to which uh, the FBI put so much uh, time and effort, I mean, tens of thousands of hours and hundreds and hundreds of uh, agents tracking all these people down. Uh, on January 6th, I'm going to get the numbers wrong, but they're going to be approximately right. right. Only about a dozen people arrested on January 6th. And you know, January 7th, January 8th, uh, even the ones that they could identify. Had this been a normal situation, there probably would have been about 25 to 30 arrests made. The, the reason it's more than 10 times as much is they put an effort of going through the, the videotapes, identifying people, putting out posters, doing mails. So they put a lot of work. That's why we have 400 people. Most of these people never expected to get caught. They, no one expected that they were going to put the kind of effort that the FBI put into finding these people. Uh, so I, I think we don't care, right? Like, uh, go back down, right? Because we can profile. Well, on the next uh, podcast, we'll uh, profile these people in, in uh, detail. But if you can profile down, uh, this lady's story is very interesting, right? She's been profiled a lot. Which one? I think you said that she was transgender. Oh, this, I believe it's that one. Right. She's from Kentucky. I'll call her a she because that's what she wants to be called. Yeah, she's now a woman. Right. But reading her story, right? I don't, and maybe you did as much research as I did on her. Because a lot of her stuff was online, her text messages. Uh, she was very talkative to the FBI when they got there. And from what I gather from her, this is more of a social thing more than anything else. You're looking at somebody, again, who feels like an outlier, who feels disenfranchised, like the guy with the neck tattoo. Now, the guy with the neck tattoo, right, he doesn't care. He doesn't care if he gets arrested or not because he's going to go back to his mechanic shop that they don't do background checks in this mechanic shop. So for her, for her, she was just hanging out with her friends. And she was yeah, out there for more of a hangout true. session. I don't think that's true. Here she is now. Can you see right. the Jessica, yeah, Jessica Watkins? Watts. Yeah. Transgender, cool, right? White transgender, now female. In Ohio. Ohio. She's an army veteran, works as a bartender in a bar that she owns. Okay. Came to Washington with a group of oath keepers that she organized. FBI investigators reported texts from Watkins dating to November 2020, which she said it's our duty as Americans to fight, kill, and die for our rights. Apparently as part of advance, he was involved in advanced planning for the riot. So, so there's a theme, this is a theme from 
Russ, right? Die for their constitution and our rights. They feel that the, their freedoms are being taken away. The whole uh, Ronald Reagan, the government on my back, government's on my back and are taking my freedoms away for me to do what I want to do. That, that's very much a theme. But I think she was, she, I wouldn't classify, she was organizational. She was organizing this thing. She's a guy, now she's a girl. She's trying to reclaim that power. She used to be in the army. Now she's got a chance as a woman to come back and, and do things. Now I think for her, this was very different. This wasn't a walk in the park or as the Republican right wing people call it MAGA tourists. I don't think she was a MAGA tourist at all. And I don't think she's dressed as a MAGA tourist. I think she was a hardcore organizational, I'm going to get in there and do some shit. That's my... Well, that's, how she, that's, how she, that's how she hangs out, though. She's an army brethren. <laughs> you and I hang out by having wine and uh, watching a movie, having dinner. She hangs out by blowing up things up. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's how she hangs out. <laughs> it was power. You'd be surprised and sometime much later. Well, that's a theme, right? Power. How many people are there because they felt powerless and they felt a need to express the powerlessness and show and who's taking this power away? Yeah. And yeah. The government. The government and many of those people, the people who felt powerless, they go one of two ways. They demonstrate and they try to do things to regain their power or if they link up with QAnon right. they go into violence so they and there's a mental health mental health problems financial problems and QAnon associations seem to be the key turns in the road where someone who might ordinarily have a and so we got mental health uh, disruption instead becomes a more violent uh, approach. And those those seem to be, because you're looking at these women don't do it and these women do. These guys are violent, these guys aren't. You go through their histories, you try to see what the hell happened that this guy didn't turn violent and that guy did. And you typically find either it's a mental health issue, mental health or drugs, or the finances got them so depressed they lost their business or QAnon, or sometimes all three of those. And, and what, what percentage, right? If we go back to uh, Dale Carnegie in uh, Influencing Friends, right? That, that book, uh, How to Make Friends and Influence People. Yeah. What percentage of these people blame themselves for their problems? I say 1%. No, I <laughs> right? Probably, I'm going to say I haven't read more than a dozen uh, confessions or explanations from people who were arrested who say, shit, I just don't know. I just got carried away. I'm sorry. That's but but deeper still, right? You say that people that lost their businesses, people that things didn't work out for them, who do they blame that? Mexican sex traffickers, Black people, the government for being on their back. That's what I would say. What would you say? Who are they blaming for? If they're not blaming themselves for their problems, who are they blaming? And this is part of the reason they join these groups. I haven't heard them. Uh, yeah, I just don't know. I haven't heard them right. blaming anybody. I, 
I know of their problems because I found their bankruptcies in their public records. Um, so I know the financial problems. I know the mental health problems because that's either in their public records or they use that as a defense. I'm right. crazy, so you shouldn't punish me because I'm crazy. Or the lawyer says he's a former soldier and he's got PTSD, or the lawyer says he's a drug addict and therefore shouldn't be responsible. Right, right. That, that's why That's why their statements, right, I don't put a lot of value into them because it's statements they're making. Uh, well, they're probably self-serving, but if... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but it's probably also true that he does have PTSD or he does have a, a drug abuse issue. And they're trying to use that as an excuse for why they shouldn't be punished. Uh, but you find those things, I mean, they're in everybody. You find them in people not at the riot. No. But you find them more often in the people who did the more serious and violent offenses, the people who stand out. You find that history a little more often. Now, something we do know from one of, and I'll make sure to get this guy's name as we close, we'll give final thoughts, we'll go. I guess the next one will be pretty, actually, the episode notes, and this one's going to be very interesting. And then when we publish the transcript, it's going to be very interesting, because I can put all the research, all the evidence I got, all the statements I have that are direct evidence, and we can define what... Dr. Gardner and I feel our facts, what we feel are direct evidence, because our opinions is just as good as anybody else. <laughs> Every state has laws on what facts are, what direct evidence is. And the direct evidence, which is easy for most of us to figure out, is different in every state. So we can put what our definition is. You can click on the links we saw. You can click on the videos I heard. And we'll get the specific uh, guy, because this guy's going to be interesting, because he calls himself the founder of the Oath Keepers, and he's squealing. He's ratting, right, to reduce his jail time. He's a rat. <laughs> Jessica, Jessica Watkins, in her, in her answer to the complaint, and actually she's not the only one. Right. Uh, but many of them said, oh, I just got seduced, and I, uh, you know, I'm no longer believe those things. And, I went the wrong way. And I, you know, you have to take that with a grain of salt. Well, not a lot of people want to hang out with transgender people in Ohio. So she found people to hang out with, with the Oath Keepers. But what this guy said, right, was that they intentionally recruited police officers and soldiers, right? Because those are the type of demographics that would fit their militia group, right? Well, the Oath, the oath Keepers are almost by definition the oath that they're referring to is the oath that they took as a police officer or as a military person. So the only people you would recruit to the Oath Keepers are military and law enforcement. You couldn't do otherwise. That being said, they went ahead and they recruited a girl, a 19-year-old girl from Arizona, and they made her an Oath Keeper in the Kansas chapter. Yeah, yeah. when it's a pretty girl, our bets are off. Yeah, she is pretty. <laughs> She's a pretty young girl. Right. Uh, but, and she's the only female Oath Keeper and it's actually, she's not a law, she's not in the army. It just, I don't know even how she got into that. But the Oath Keepers by definition would be recruiting military and law enforcement. That being said, there are quite a number of military and law enforcement in 
other groups in QAnon and in the right. other groups. So they're not they are not uh, restricted to the Oath Keepers. But you would expect a high proportion of Oath Keepers. You would expect all Oath Keepers to be uh, Marines or police. Right. In, in drug cartels and gangs, they recruit police officers, military people for obvious reasons. But when you talk about PTSD, that's going to be where your higher percentage of PTSD is going to come from. And a lot of cities across the country are war zones, right? Uh, look at the guy who killed George Floyd. He had shot 19 people and murdered three. And all 25 people were minorities. But my point being, and we'll close. Well, I'll ask you this question, then we'll have final thoughts for you, Dr. Garner. Uh, a guy like Chauvin, right? He has PTSD. He has, I would say, trauma from being on the streets as, as a police officer for 19 years. And a lot of these people who were former police officers and went to the Capitol have that men's mindset, whether they were treated for it or not. And then final thoughts as we get into the next podcast. Uh, you know, being a lot of worked with the police, so I, I know the stresses and strains of the police. That being said, there's a big difference between being a New York City policeman or Los Angeles policeman and then uh, Duluth, Minnesota or right. uh, Boise, Iowa, or, you know, the, the jobs there are very different than the kinds of jobs in New York City, in Washington, D.C., in Baltimore, in Miami. Those you would expect PTSD in those places. You don't expect them in small towns and you know cities where they they don't do uh, they don't do that kind of stuff. But those places are the, where the meth epidemic is now, right? But yeah, I guess you have a lot of property crime, people stealing stuff from farms, you go sell it to cook meth, and okay. that's where the opioid explosion is, and it's in the rural areas. Yeah. Uh, uh, property crimes and uh, drug crimes are primarily in those days. Also, homelessness and uh, divorce and wife beating and domestic dispute. That's the kind of stuff. Uh, th those are those are difficult to work with. I, I don't want to underestimate. Uh, they're also dangerous domestic disputes. Right, right. When they go in, they can. You know, they're trying to calm the guy down and the wife stabs him in the back with a knife. Right, 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 right. Yeah, so domestic disputes, I believe it's been a while since I worked with the police. When I worked with the police, domestic disputes were the number one cause of injury to police officers. Things may have changed in the years since I worked with the police, but the domestic disputes are, are heavy duty. But it's not the kind of PTSD you would get patrolling the inner city in Baltimore or New York City or... Uh, you know where cops are assaulted, and uh, it's a different, it's a different kind of uh, episode. So next week, uh, well, this coming Friday, we're going to uh, move on. Uh, although we still didn't finish with the riot. But no, we're, no, we're gonna, we're gonna get into detail, right? We're gonna profile some folks. And we're gonna go ahead to the violent, uh, the violent men, who they are, uh, and then one of the interesting things that I've. I've discovered in my uh, in my work is how much they appear to resemble the profiles of serial killers. So we'll not only get into the violent rioters, but we'll get into serial killers. And then having looked at both of those groups, we'll look at how the uh, violent rioters, I've got some really interesting data on what's happened to serial killers, what's happened to, 
to the hate crime. Uh, hate yeah, I'm serial killers independently too. So we're gonna have a lot of information on serial killers and between the episode notes, the transcripts, we'll get into all the motivation how everybody got motivated to get there the triggers we got right because we got the emails you can read uh, apparently it's Mexican we got the traffickers is the main motive it works though i would say i would say right let's let's look let's right we'll stick to the facts i don't think they even can we go for it based on yeah it's based not on traffickers mexicans a large proportion of the trump supporters right. are anti-immigration but it's not anti Mexican, it's anti-Arab, anti-Chinese, anti-Mexican, right, right. anti-everything. Trump yeah, built the platform anti-immigration, and his supporters are anti-immigration people. They don't even have to be sex traffickers. Right. So the evidence we have, though, is in the email, she says sex trafficker. And then um, I'll put a link to the video where she says Mexican sex trafficker. So... I would imagine based on her writing it in an email and saying it in a speech that it's it's an effective way for her to get people to go to the rallies and to donate money to the Trump campaign. Must have been half the people there must have been there looking for Mexican sex traffickers. I'm sure. Hopefully not. Because <laughs> eventually they'll find them. But we'll we'll detail all the all the different motivational. Uh, techniques they use and what they actually said and what they actually wrote that we can look at. But I always close with Winston Churchill because in life you get a lot more than what you give. We make a living from your labor, but we make a life from what you give. Thank you for listening to the Trump nations, Trump voters, and why why the whys that they showed up to the Capitol. Right. If you haven't heard of Anchor, it is free. It's a podcast that I use. <clears throat> and they really do a good job for us here at the GFSN betting and team report podcast. It helps us make 70 to 80% of your bets. Now, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started, my brothers. Thank <laughs> you.